0: hello hello welcome to the first proper episode of shonju thinks january shonju thinks was kind of a little teaser to set the scene of what the shonju thinks episodes in the future will be about what their purpose is it's as promised on the third thursday of this month Let's just for a moment reflect on how quickly the third Thursday of this month has come along, particularly given that January felt like it lasted forever. I think that's a kind of popular meme. January goes on and on and Ariston like that advert that I like very much. I don't know if you remember this advert. It actually came out in 1991. It is on YouTube. A mere digression. Here we are on the third Thursday of February, and this episode is going to be me talking about my reflections of the wonderful session that I had with Natasha Porter, founder and CEO of Unlock Graduates. I hope you've had a chance to listen to it. Probably be useful to do that before you listen to my dulcet tones on this episode. I kind of summarised towards the end of our conversation that there were three key observations in response to her experience of burnout that help her today as she navigates and juggles many, many different roles and responsibilities. And I kind of want to take them each in turn and reflect On my thoughts and experiences related to that. And the three that I summarized were this notion of bright sizing, having a gut feel about a situation, and thirdly, keeping a positive mindset. When Natasha talked about bright sizing, she discussed that in relation to what she believes is kind of the catalyst for what led to the burnout that she experienced in her senior leadership role at a school. What she said was that she hadn't right-sized her job, her role at work in comparison to the rest of her life and world. And she said a key part of what she does almost now is that right-sizing sense check. She said that it wasn't related to hours' work, But I actually wonder if perhaps that is an important part to think about when reflecting on burnout, because I feel like it would be remiss to not consider that where we spend our time can help us figure out what might be causing the overwhelm, what might be causing the disconnect, what might be causing the struggles that can lead to that full-blown burnout. And I guess I also speak from my own experience. You know, the time that I think about when I experienced burnout was very much to do with how much time I was spending on my work. And it's quite a pivotal moment, I think, in my leadership journey when I experienced burnout. What basically happened was that I did the Teach First programme and I completed that programme in the spirit of it being two years Committed to the classroom before I then go on to a different opportunity. And I had done a summer project in between my first and second year of teaching with Accenture, and I was offered a job after completing that summer project. So I knew that I was going into the world of management consulting. It was around the time of the recession. And so, actually, although I was meant to start in January of 2009, I had my start date pushed to August 2009, which was, on reflection, very useful because I spent those nine months working on building and setting up RISE. That period of time in 2009 was probably my most crucial. I had come back from an amazing 6 months traveling around the world. I went to Brazil argentina bolivia peru then new zealand australia singapore and india it was probably the most life-changing experience i could do a whole episode on that in itself i wanted to mention that because i came into 2009 really refreshed really energized from these travels and experiences meeting people seeing beautiful places stretching myself doing things like the Inca trail the Tongariro crossing putting yourself out there in a way that can only build confidence and self esteem and 2009 started in many ways is like the best year of my life i had this idea for rise i'd already started working on it as a teacher It's because I had led the Enterprise Challenge project at my school, Marbury School for Girls, in my second year of teaching, and then won the Teach First and School Project Award for that project's impact that made me even think about setting up RISE. I was in my best place. I was going to events, talking to people, networking, looking at making funding applications, thinking about branding writing a business plan, thinking about what the strategy was going to be for this charity working towards educational disadvantage, almost exactly at the same time as I had come up with the name for Rise and had approached schools to launch the, then it was called Enterprise Challenge Programme, I was starting at Accenture. It was literally July and August 2009, starting my organization, starting my new job at Accenture. You could call me absolutely balmy, but my motivation, my ambition was fully there. And I was so excited about both. And I worked hard on both. And it was when I got to December. So this is like fast forward about four or five months of juggling both together And while I was in Chicago for the Core Analyst School, which is kind of compulsory training that Accenture sends their analysts on, it was the time difference that I was really struggling with. So trying to manage the schools in the UK, which I was mainly doing in my lunchtime or in the evenings and on the weekends, was more difficult when I was on this two-week full pelt. In classes, I think we were by eight o'clock in the morning, all day, evening events, socialising, having a lot of fun as well, meeting analysts at Accenture from all over the world and then trying to steal moments to manage RISE. I was so tired and I was so fed up and I just couldn't see the wood for the trees. I was basically at a point where I was like, I need to choose one or the other. And there's no way for me to carry on. Because the time that I'm spending on work, you know, as much as I can call rise my passion project, and it always has been, it's still work. I got to a point where I was like, right, how am I going to figure out which one I've got to give up? I can't do both. And that in itself made me so sad. Because there I was less than six months into doing both and I was like, I'm a failure. I have to give up one of them. And I'm, I can't believe that I have to face into doing this. But it was actually a teach first event for ambassadors that I went to that was focused on values, focused on establishing what's important to you that helped me figure out what my next steps were going to be. And I will always remember that a session where I listed things like achievement and working at a large organization that has a global reach as things that were important to me problem solving on a huge scale managing large scale projects but also what was important to me was young people and giving them opportunities for education and ensuring that they could reach their potential and developing my ideas and being creative in a different kind of way. And I think it was defining different set of values that were still very much wholly part of who I am, but different parts of who I am. Defining what Rise stood for and what Accenture stood for in my life and my identity. I made the decision to carry on and do both. Now, where does that leave me in terms of burnout? It just made me realise that I would very much have to think about the number of hours I'm spending on both and being really strategic about that and prioritising and organising myself and planning and being so crystal clear on where Different goals and deadlines slotted in and fitted in with each other because I was still fiercely ambitious to get promoted to the next level at Accenture as quickly as possible. And I was also minded to ensure that Rise was progressing and growing and making the most of all the opportunities that would help the young people that we work with. So when Natasha talked about right sizing, I did reflect on it for myself personally as hours spent on work projects. But what she talked about was the right sizing in terms of where she gets self-esteem from. She almost made me think about being mindful about too much self-esteem coming from a job title. When she used the term going to work to get a fix, again, it was almost that sense of doing more work, taking on more is ultimately correlating with an increase in my self esteem and ultimately self worth. And I think I can relate to that. And it made me think about where we get our self esteem from. And I mean, research on this talks about self esteem developing from a young age when you're a child. But true self esteem comes from within. And it can change over time. And I think what I found useful about Natasha talking so candidly about self-esteem was thinking about where I used to get my self-esteem from and where I get it from now. And it has changed quite dramatically. And what I find fascinating is that when I think about childhood experiences or experiences of my formative years and where I believed my self-esteem came from or comes from, it was from getting top grades, getting into the best university, getting into the largest organization. And and that's why I was so happy when I got the job at Accenture. I was like, what an organization to work for. Also, I enjoy telling people I worked there as I enjoy telling people that I have founded a charity that I have created and that I've built. And I think the other thing that Natasha touched on was this praise and flattery, and that being, of course, inextricably linked with self-esteem. And I remember the first time that I was recognised publicly was at the Asian Women of Achievement Awards, and I won in the Young Achiever category, a night that I will always hold dear to my heart. Surrounded by my family, my mum, dad and sister, and a whole host of colleagues at Accenture who had sponsored two tables to come and support me at this event at the Hilton Park Lane. These are the biggest awards for Asian women, founded by Pinky Lilani in 1999. It's something actually that I remember so clearly because... It was like a proper award ceremony where I had not just been nominated, I'd gone to a judging day where I'd had a panel of three judges who spent about an hour talking to me. And on the night, I didn't know if I was going to win or not. And so when they called my name, and it was Riz Latif from the BBC, I was just like, whoa. But that praise, that recognition... course it built my self-esteem it did wonders for me for a long time after that like I held on to that but what I find interesting now is that it doesn't just have to be awards and praise that can build self-esteem I don't think I figured out what it is yet it's work that I think I definitely need to do more on because you know when I write a biography about myself. What am I doing? I'm listing accolades and awards, and I'm acutely aware of that. More, I think, can be done to talk about different kind of achievements, different elements of success, or what I define as success, and what give me self-esteem in my day-to-day life now. I think it was just really interesting to think about where one can get self-esteem from the second thing that i wanted to address was the canary in the mine what an interesting metaphor and on wikipedia where i got my information from it says canaries were iconically used in coal mines to detect the presence of carbon monoxide the bird's rapid breathing rate small size and high metabolism compared to the miner's led birds in dangerous mines to succumb before the miners, thereby giving the miners time to take action. So when Natasha was talking about what's your canary in the mine, she was ultimately trying to say, well, what is the danger sign? What is the warning signal to you to take action to prevent something bad happening? Natasha talked about a kind of feeling in her stomach. I think what's interesting is that this notion of a gut feeling is about the connection between the gut and our brain. Emotional experiences register as gastrointestinal distress. When we say a gut feel, sometimes it can sound like, oh, an intuition or a sixth sense, but actually it can manifest as physical feelings a stomach twinge, some pain, nausea in your gut. I think being aware of that is so important. Natasha's canary in the mine is exactly that. She has this feeling in her stomach. And then she talked about how she processes that with her husband. She would go on a walk, talk about the things that were bothering her, worrying her, concerning her. That indicator for her was really important. I think being hyper aware of our feelings and what is happening in our body, in our mind, in our mood is so important in countering any kind of burnout. And it's a hard thing to do because we intrinsically want to ignore those things and be like, no, 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 we're fine. Just carry on. Life's too busy. I don't really have time to stop and think and take action. I just need to get on with things. But of course, That's how things escalate and get worse. You know, I feel like I'm guilty of doing that. I think we probably all are. Figuring out what the canary in the mine is and being in tune with your mind, body and soul seems to be like a really useful approach. And then the third thing. Oh, and I loved when Natasha said this. She was like, today's going to be a good day. And Even if something comes along, she's like, oh, but today's going to be a good day. I just thought, how lovely, how lovely. This constant positive affirmation of today's going to be a good day, today's going to be a good day, to start the day with a positive mindset. And I do know that that has made a difference for me. I mentioned the five minute journal, it's by an organization called Intelligent Change. And you can find out more at intelligentchange.com. It's a tool to positively change your life. My sister got me this for Christmas, and I love it. It says, the five-minute journal is not a magic pill. Although there is certainly some magic at work here, you still have to do the work in the real world. It's really well written and really well structured. It starts with five reasons you'll love the five-minute journal. break. Right? It then goes on to talk about how it works, the basic principles. So what I love most about this, you open the page and you can put in the date and it starts with a quote. And there's a different quote every day. Today's quote is by Audre Lorde, who was an American writer and professor, philosopher, intersectional feminist, poet and civil rights activist. And the quote is so beautiful. It says, once we recognize we can feel deeply love deeply and can feel joy then we will demand that all parts of our lives produce that kind of joy. How lovely is that and I want to mention something else that Natasha said that also aligns to this. She says that it's about having a life that is rich and full and not allowing it to be just one thing. Having joy in different parts of our life are surely the key being happier being more fulfilled and therefore being a great leader in our roles when I asked her at the end how she applies what she learned from the burnout that she had to today where she has so many roles and responsibilities she kind of gave a response that was basically like just go for it Don't even worry about it. Don't let the negative self-talk stop you from doing all the things that you want to go out there in the world and do. I think my takeaway is just that. Demand joy from all parts of your life. And if there are parts of your life that are not giving you joy, take the time to figure out what those parts are, what support you need to make a change in those aspects of your life and I wish you a very happy rest of February and I look forward to speaking to you next month. Thank you for listening to this episode of Something for the Soul. If you enjoyed it then I would be so grateful if you could rate it and leave a review. It will help new listeners to find the podcast and build this movement of leaders leaning into vulnerability as a superpower. Remember to press the follow button to get the next episode of Something for the Soul as soon as it's published on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Acast or whichever platform you're listening on. Bye for now.